0: But Let's continue on our lessons of of understanding our Tefilot and basically more the um, tefillah in general, as well as understanding our uh, Sh'mone Esrei, Shma, and um, Amida. So let's let's continue here, and we are going now. We're at the section here in the Amida. Where we say pardon us our king for we have willfully transgressed so the second part of the blessing is pardon us our king for we have willfully transgressed so so rabbi yosef soloveitchik explains that that um uh, forgiveness is like having a debt pardon and this blessing transgression is not just negligence numerous times in the Talmud it's considered a rebellious act against God and there are different kinds of rebellion so sometimes a person rebels against the Torah because of a desire and he wants let's say he wants to eat non-kosher food or engage in a promiscuous lifestyle this individual is committing these acts to fulfill his urges had he had the opportunity to eat kosher meat, instead, he would certainly have done so. So he's not rebelling against God in principle, but his desires have overwhelmed him. So a worse kind of rebel is the one who rebels for the sake of angering God. A mumar le khachis. And he is able to eat a kosher steak, but if he purposely chooses the non-kosher one as an act of rebellion against God. So in our tradition, an act with the intent to rebel against God is one of the gravest sins. So in this blessing, we acknowledge that we have rebelled against God, our king. As servants to his majesty the king we are expected to conduct ourselves on the highest level of service beyond the commandments he has designated for us as Jews he demands our total loyalty as his subjects so when it comes to loyalty there is no difference between a minor rebellion and a major one sinning against God is flouting his authority so normally he would have no tolerance for any challenge to his authority so why would God give rebels a second chance so in effect every sin at the very least is a kind of rebellion against god if we are cognizant of our actions and realize that god is witnessing it all we have no excuse excuse for any sins that we commit so to ignore the fact that that god is an ongoing presence in our lives and knows the truth about our deeds it's tantamount to denying god and so god may forgive the rebel or the rebel in us because he knows us better than we know ourselves and the rebel may have had a broken childhood and lost his self-esteem and though he had a yeshiva education let's say or she had a base Yaakov education or, or, or you know or so forth or maybe the teachers may have known not known how to handle them him or her so they may have disciplined uh, him or her harshly instead of helping so this young person grew up to become rebellious and the person reasons if I'm religious why does God give me all the bad breaks in life why do I deserve all the abuse I suffered and a a, a, a rebel represents one of many who have endured extenuating circumstances that have contributed to the breakdown of religious belief so on the surface you and i don't know the cause for this rebellion but god who knows the minds and hearts of his subjects understands who the rebels really are and why they rebelled and in the end hashem he may forgive them completely and so as God's servants we are all indebted to him we humbly approach God for forgiveness knowing that we owe him everything and with the recognition that we are less than perfect beings we therefore throw ourselves before God's mercy imploring him to show us total compassion and forgiveness not to judge us by our past as much as to give us a chance in the future the expression of asking God as our king to grant us a pardon is quite relevant to our understanding of forgiveness. A debt is forgiven when the borrower pays it off. When the lender decides that he wants to waive the debt in whole or in part, this waiver is called a pardon. And according to Rabbi um, Yosef Soloveitchik, we're all greatly indebted for every second of life and for everything that which God has blessed us with. So for us to use our sacred gifts of mind, body and possessions for inappropriate purposes is tantamount to the theft of these divine gifts. So we stand before the king of the universe pleading for forgiveness as and he has the right to demand from us everything we owe him, our health, our wealth and all the good things in life. We know that we are less than perfect and even if we were perfect how could we possibly pay such a debt so we owe God everything and only the king can grant that pardon so here in the next one where it says who is gracious and ever willing to forgive here we end the second blessing describing God as who is gracious and ever willing to and ever willing to forgive so he graces us by constantly forgiving us again and again and when he knows full well that we may sin in the future why because god never gives up on us even though we may have given up on ourselves and the truth of the matter is that when we know that god that if god didn't forgive us on a regular basis we would not be able to exist our sins will be so overwhelming. So there's a remark, a remarkable verse in Yeshia which describes how God's love for His people makes it possible to forgive the wicked person who repents. It says, "Let the wicked give up his ways, the simple man his plans. Let him turn back to God, and He will have mercy upon him. To our God, for He is ever willing to forgive." So Baruch Hashem. So now let's go into the next part is the one about the redemption. But actually, you know what? I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna stop here. We'll continue with redemption, Bezrat Hashem tomorrow. And I want to bring out here from another safer here, the one from Rabbi Nisel, and I want to talk about I want to talk about the role of women in Tefillah. Because this applies to all of us beautiful Yisrael. So let's talk about there's a natural there's something he's he brings down that there's something natural about a woman in prayer so women feel comfortable with with their tefilots and tehillim on buses trains planes and of course in 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 our very homes and when we reminisce about our mothers and grandmothers many of us picture picture them in their chosen corner of the house clutching their worn sederim pouring their hearts out in silent devotion we finally recall how after lighting candles their faces glow with shabbat radiance and they would shed a tear as they recite the special prayer for children and this legacy goes back to the, the mahos who sowed the seeds of tefillah for their daughters with their burning desire to build cloud israel but more than anyone the woman who remains the eternal symbol of tefillah is hannah we learn more halachot of tefillah from Hannah than from anyone else. From Hannah, we learn that tefillah needs kavana. And there's 113 words in Hannah's prayers. And there are 113 words in the brachot of the Shemonei Esrei. And this implies that Hannah's prayer was the quintessential tefillah. We study the names of the people in the Torah to gain insight into their essence. The name Hannah has the same root as Hanina one of the words for prayer so the torah is replete with the mighty tefilot of our ancestors and what's so special about the prayers of a barren woman asking for children and is it a coincidence that a woman and not a man uttered the definitive prayer so let's go back to the fundamentals and analyze the male female dynamic Hazal teach us that if we study the first time for the first time a word or concept that appears in the Torah we can understand the intrinsic nature of that word or concept so if we study in detail the first time that male and female appear in the Torah, we should be able to gain insight into the essential nature of their respective roles. So our minds rush to the story of Adam and Chava. So Hazal, however, tells us otherwise. There's a deeper dimension to the concept of male and female. And in fact, the male female relationship goes back much earlier than the creation of Adam and Chava something so incredibly important finds itself woven into the fabric of the beginning of all beginnings male and female are part of the moment of creation in the beginning god created shamayim heaven and added earth In the beginning god created the male force and the female force the male force is the role of Shemayim, which sends rain down to the earth the female force is the role of arets it receives the rain absorbs it into itself nurtures and nourishes the seeds that have been planted in it and after a hidden internal process has been completed from inside of itself it produces life So the Shamaya Marech relationship mirrors the male-female relationship on many levels. It has a clear parallel to the biological creation of life. On a more complex and subtle level, it parallels the male-female partnership in creating spiritual goodness in the world in its most potent form. So in a pristine world, a man is unable to create lasting spiritual goodness. So just as rain without the earth to absorb it is wasted, so too man's effort can go to waste, or even worse, be perverted and distorted without a female to provide a bias home for his haspaha spiritual influence ensuring that it is sustainable in its pure form so she removes any impurities or distortions she ensures that a spiritual creation has true life so this concept can be understood by looking at the ultimate role models of the male female relationship the avos and the imahos so each one of the avos devoted his life to perfecting a particular spiritual characteristic. For example, Abraham Avinu was totally focused on the chesed, on benevolence. His tent was open to guests on all four sides, indicative of his choice to keep nothing for himself, to be an absolute giver, So on the mystical level, Chesed is a spiritual characteristic that originates in the higher world. Unconditional benevolence has no natural place in the lowly physical world. Abraham Avinu's extraordinary achievement was to bring true Chesed down into this world. Abraham is thus the Av of Chesed, the father of unconditional benevolence. And this means that the true acts of Chesed that you and I do... Free of any selfish motives, are only possible because Abraham made hesed accessible in the physical world. And so, the problem with Abraham Avinu's hesed is that it's open to distortion. Kindness can have the outer trappings of benevolence, while in fact the giver may be propelled by selfish motives. And the Torah highlights this idea by calling certain immoral acts hesed superficially forbidden relationships involve two consulting adults being kind to each other. And the motive, however, is not to give but to take. So these these acts are a distortion of true hesed. So Hazel tells us that the person who embodied distorted hesed was Ishmael, the son of Abraham Avinu. He inherited his father's hospitality and kindness on a superficial level, but his motives were immoral. And Sarah Imenu understood that her holy mission was to be a bias of Abraham's hesed. She had to ensure that his hesed would be passed on to future generations in its pure form. So she had the clarity of vision to see Ishmael as a threat to the purity of Abraham's hesed and the courage to remove him from Abraham's house. So with this difficult act, Sarah... Ensure that Abraham's spiritual creation would flourish and have continuity. So Sarah became the Adama for the seed that Abraham had planted. And the Shemaya Mahal's dimension in the male-female relationship can also be seen in the Hebrew words for father and mother. A father is called an Av, which shares the same root as the word Ava meaning inspired desire and implies a burst of unbridled energy like grain from Shemayim, which needs to be seized and directed if it's to be sustained a mother is called an am which shares the same root as aim meaning if so it implies caution as if to implore not so fast let's give this released power an earthly home where it can be transformed into something sturdy and lasting so a woman is created in the role of Adama on a deeper level Adama defines her very nature the word Adama is the feminine form of Adam meaning man so Adama defines both her our inner nature and the essence of our mission in this world as women as a female. So it's interesting to know, interesting to note that women have a special love for the land of Israel. And for example, the woman who left Egypt refused to partake in the slander of Edith Israel during the sin of the spies because they cherished the land. Hazal explained the special connection between the women and the land of Israel reflects in our essence at Adama we extensively understand the inherent sanctity contained in the holy earth of edit israel and at this point a reader let's say or you know makes interject and ask the following question why is it fair that hashem created man as Shemayim and a woman as adet Adama? it seems that at the moment of creation hashem imbued in women an inferior status and that of the lowly earth so this question lies at the root of many accusations that the torah has institutionalized a subordinate role for women but a closer inspection of what we have written here you know bringing up in the, the safer brings out the fallacy of the question which is more important the heavens that produce rain or the earth that absorbs the rain and turns it into life so which is more important so clearly the two are mutually dependent each on its own has no life rain without earth to absorb it turns into a flood so without earth without rain turns into a desert so both floods and deserts symbolize death and wasted potential but when the heavenly rain and earthly ground work together sustainable life is created each partner is vital and so anyone who has seen a base name a faithful torah home in action knows how true this statement is husband and wife work together as a team each recognizing that his or her, her own fulfillment is dependent on the crucial role of his or her spouse and together they form an equal partnership based on mutual respect and love and together they build life in every sense of the word together they build a home that mirrors the home of abraham and Sarah. And so we're going to finish here. We're going to continue Bezat uh, Hashem further. Bezat Hashem Ussiyat Dishmaya tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Leolam Amen. Amen.